shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Back to shit show Saturday. We have shit show Faith. Hello. I'm happy to. I'm excited to learn more about you. I'm excited too. Thank you so much. Um, when did you join? I think maybe October of last year. Isn't it weird? Like it. It feels like I've known everybody for like a million years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of because we lead with, uh, you know, the life story in an appropriate way for once. What was it that like did you in? I think it, I think it was probably one of the shit show shit show Saturdays where I was like, I I really think that I I belong in this community too. I would like these people. Yes, found myself looking forward to it every week. So yeah. Okay, song song um i'm free by jody messina carbohydrate frozen fruit specifically grapes yep really Mm -hmm. red or green red yes so beyond red grapes i will take green grapes and then any other frozen fruit what a weird carbohydrate. <laughs> I think that's the weirdest one we've done. That is really my favorite. Okay, but what if like, let's go like, what are we getting if we're doing like something bready? Uh, pizza then. Okay. Pizza, good pizza crust. Yeah. Uh, cheese. I'm going to have to go with feta. Feta. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, condiment. Hot sauce. Hot sauce. Brand. Hot sauce on everything. Hmm? Brand. Okay, so I really just use Frank's Red Hot. I mean, I do use some fancy brands, but I keep in stock, like buy in bulk Frank's Red Hot. Good. I think it's solid. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so how did you find out that you were an adult child? You know, my my parents drank from, I think, when I was born until I was about six. Mm. And then... Um, they started taking my sister and I to AA meetings. So we were exposed to AA and exposed to recovery and the terminology. Mm. Um, And then later uh, when I was like 19, early twenties, I was seeing a therapist and this therapist gave me the book, adult children of alcoholics. Mm -hmm. And then I read I read that book and I was like, oh, wow, that all makes so much sense, you know, like close the book and then just put it back on a shelf. And then I think that like TikTok or Instagram had had you pop up. And that's how I found you. And I was searching like adult children things online. And that's how I found you. But I recently, after my divorce, just this December, I read Codependent No More. And at the end of that book, she lists resources. And I didn't even realize there was an ACA support group until Reading until then, book. really. Yeah, that there might be in-person resources. No idea. So would you say that you had a, a codependency bottom? Yes. Yes, for sure. Let's hear it. After ending like my first serious relationship with a fairly good person, he was just really addicted to drugs and alcohol and I had to leave. 
I left that when I was 20, 23. And I met my ex-husband when I was 26. He was like too good to be true, seemed to have like a very normal upbringing, seemed to very much not be an alcoholic. And my thought pretty much was, well, he checks that box that he's not an alcoholic and he doesn't seem to have any obvious dysfunction. So uh, we got married. We within a month, of, well, within two months of being married, I had my first daughter. And I'm sorry, it's so hard to think about how everything went. And also like this is so fairly recent that it still brings up a lot. But I quickly had two children. How long had y'all been together before you got married? We married within a year of being together. You obviously got pregnant really fast. Yes. So I was pregnant when we got married. We got married because uh, he was unable to hold a job and signed up to join the military so that I would receive those benefits and then immediately, you know, moved from place to place for the next six years. I love how you say that he seemed really normal and nice and a yep. great family. And then you just threw in there and yep. he couldn't keep a job. Couldn't keep a job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, before I realized that I was already pregnant. So, so I was like, yes, <laughs> we should definitely get married and start a family. He seems really normal. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not an alcoholic. Like I still have that. Right. <laughs> and it took me like 14 years to realize that the marriage wasn't working. I was incredibly codependent. Nothing in my life was working. And I had to make a lot of changes and I needed help. Were you kind of like blind the whole time until the end? It really feels like I just woke up because my kids had gotten older and I COVID had happened. And I think I really had some time to self-reflect where prior to that, It was one crisis after another crisis after another crisis, and I was too busy trying to hold everything together and make everything work and save everybody and do everything for everybody uh, to notice that this, this wasn't a way to live. I found out that my youngest child blamed me for putting up with the abuse for so long. And it was so interesting and so relevant to the most recent podcast that like episode that you released, but I had also not forgiven my mom for putting up with the abuse for so long. So that, that really hit home. And the way I approached that was just when I talk to them, I say, you know what? I screw up a lot. I am going to keep trying to do better. And, uh, you know, we give each other feedback. Have you talked with them much about ACA? I have started talking with them about ACA, yes. Yeah. And kind of validating some of the things my kids have said to me. Like, they're so emotionally intelligent that they're like, you know, you need to have better boundaries around uh, what you talk about. Or you just need to have better boundaries about personal information or you know, you, I would like you to respect my boundaries about this because it makes me feel invalidated. And so like I talk about the work that I'm doing in ACA and how I can see what they're saying and just acknowledging their feelings and talking about boundaries. 
it's huge. And I really thought it was so, I was so excited for everyone to hear the part where she talks about, um, about when we go back and acknowledge our mm -hmm. wrongdoings and, mm -hmm. and in a way that creates, I think, um, that teaches lessons and creates a sort of bond mm -hmm. that would not be formed or lessons taught yeah. were it not for us fucking up. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, it's really important for me to know, like for them to know that I like, I know I have messed up and that I want to do better. Also, my mom is in recovery. She's been in, in recovery for between 20 and 30 years. So I, one day I, I, I was like crying as upset and I messaged her and I was like, mom, after I found out that, you know, my child was disappointed in me or angry at me still, I said, mom, I can see my dysfunction in my children. And she said, me too. She said, you can't, you can't sit there in that guilt. Mm. And that was such a moment. It was so validating and yeah, just a really amazing full circle moment. Is she an AA? Mm -hmm. Has she dipped into any other programs? No. Mm -mm. Lucky her. Yeah. <laughs> she, she actually tried to get me to join Al-Anon for years and years and years. And I was like, but I I'm not married to an alcoholic. You guys are in recovery. <laughs> but she saw she saw my dysfunction. She knew. Okay, so you said your parents got sober when you were six. What is your memories, recollection of of this? Do you remember when they got sober? Like what what did all this look like? I I did because all of the people coming over and partying and everything, you know, people with kids coming over and they would just drink and everybody would sleep at each other's houses, like all that fun, that stopped. So I distinctly remember that. And do you remember being told that they were alcoholics? Yes. They stopped drinking when I was about six, but started again when I was maybe 12 or 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. Both of them? Yep. Both of them together. What do you remember about that? I remember being 12 and reaching into my freezer to get some ice and finding like a beer can in the freezer and telling my mom. And she said, well, you know, don't worry. It's not a problem. And even if that was your dad and he was drinking again, that uh, he's an adult and he can handle it. I remember that. Mm. And then a couple of years later, I had to go live with my grandparents. Wow. Mm -hmm. Were you an only child? No, I have a sister. She is, I believe, three years older than me. And she actually went to live with my dad's family. And I went to live with my grandparents on my mom's side. So what transpired that led up to that? My sister had a high school graduation party and she had received money and my dad during this graduation party showed up he had like a broken leg or something showed up in a cast just sat in one room and didn't talk to anybody made things weird and when the party was over demanded that my sister give him her graduation money and then he started 
yelling and hollering and kicked her out and probably because of his broken leg like it didn't get violent or anything but somebody called my grandparents and said hey you know you should come and pick her up and were you relieved I was 14 I was used to coming and going out of the house anytime I pleased doing what I wanted uh, completely unsupervised right so then I lived with my grandparents and I just feel, you know, so bad for that time. But like I was I was 14 years old and I didn't understand what rules were or a curfew was or you know that somebody wanted to know where I was going. So I gave him a little bit of hell, I think, but I did adjust. It was it definitely was a relief, but honestly since my parents were still not well and I didn't exactly know what was happening with them, it was still anxiety inducing. What did your relationship look like with your parents during that period of time? I had no contact with them. And so then when did they, when did your mother get sober again? While I was living with my grandparents, I believe my mom ended up crashing a car and going to court um, and I think being ordered into AA. Mm -hmm. So before, before I was 18. And then when did they divorce? I am not a hundred percent sure. They divorced twice, I believe, and remarried twice. I think might've been three times. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, finally, Finally, I think my mom had just like gotten into recovery and my dad was about to get into recovery and they were thinking about getting back together. And me as a, an adult, maybe 1920 or so, I was like, you guys should really not do that. I just really think <laughs> for everybody's sake, you should not do that. Do you remember when your mom made amends to you? I do. Uh, she... I was maybe 16 or 17 and I had, you know, like a snotty, just teenage attitude towards her, like very, very angry with her. And she said, well, I really want to be in your life. I'm really sorry for everything that happened and I'm not going to give up. Mm. Yeah. So then how did that relationship repair over time? It was not repaired overnight for sure. We went through periods of time where she couldn't, still couldn't talk about the past. Like she'd made amends, but if my sister and I had kind of brought up how we were raised, she would just get real sensitive about it and feel very guilty about it. So I think over time, the most healing that we're doing is right now because of my experiences in ACA. Uh, prior, I wasn't able to like have conversations with her about boundaries um, and what is helpful for me and like what I would, what I needed from her. Like, I just didn't even know. And I wasn't able to have any of those conversations and now I am, and I'm getting better at it. And as I get better at it, she gets better at it too. It's really beautiful. Was there, when was the realization that like, 
I'm finding myself in these relationships because of my childhood. With my first relationship, uh, where the person was obviously, you know, alcohol and drug addicted, I I knew, I knew it. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I left, but it took a long time to understand that I was in a relationship with an otherwise, you know, unavailable person, somebody that wasn't able to have a full adult relationship with me. It took a long time. What do you feel like was the biggest limiting belief that has plagued you that I am fundamentally broken Mm. that there is something very wrong with me I can't relate right (laughs) so I guess what would be some throughout this period that you've been working ACA and understanding this what have been some like pivotal insights that you've had that with my mom I had to believe that forgiveness was available for her Mm. so that I could believe that I could be forgiven as well Mm. and continue to make amends to my children. Um, That's the big one that I'm working with right now. Like you're able to show her grace and hopefully that's allowing you to show yourself some. Yes. Yeah. I mean, always a work in progress, but, but yes, that is the greatest realization I've come to so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What has been most helpful to you in navigating the relationship with your children as you go through this? To be an actor, not a reactor. Mm. To understand that, to understand that I'm the parent, that they are having a hard time. To remember to have a relationship with my inner child and remember what my inner child needed is helping me a lot with my children, even though they're teenagers now. Yeah. Is your father still alive? No, he passed away in 2021. And did you have much of a relationship with him at all, ever? It's kind of funny. No, but my sister did. But when he died, I I knew maybe I'd see him once a year. And I knew that he had really, really cleaned himself up. And he held AA meetings in prison because he had been to prison. Um, And he really changed a lot of people's lives. So I went to his funeral. And people, not many people knew who I was. And but there were there was just at least 150 people there saying this man changed my life. And this man, you know, saved my life. And it sounds really selfish, but my my kids listen to like the soundtrack from Steven Universe and one of the songs, this lady is like, who am I? Like, what are you even saying? I'm the loser of this game. You didn't know you were playing. And I was like, that was all that was going through my head the whole time. Mm. And was he sober when he died? He was. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What does it look like with your sister? Like what have conversations looked like with her? How are you impacted differently as you look at how your lives have unfolded? Uh, My sister has more of an our personality where I'm very inward thinking, introspective. My sister can be um, 
probably kind of aggressive. So we haven't we haven't had that much of a relationship. Um, and at times we really haven't gotten along just because of our family dysfunction and the way that we were raised. And my mom for a long time spent a lot of time and energy just trying to get us to be friends and get along and everything. And I was finally able to set up some boundaries where if we are in each other's lives, it is, we're not depending on each other. We're not intertwined with each other. We're not asking anything of each other. And this is really working for us. We're getting along probably the best than we ever have. That's great. Does your mom have a close relationship with her? Mm -hmm. Yes, she does. And are you guys all live in the same area? We do. Because she was, you know, louder and she had a smart mouth. So she really took the brunt of the abuse mm. where I was extremely quiet, you know, like just trying to go unnoticed. And that became a big part of my personality, just trying to disappear in the background. Did you ever drink much? I did. So... When I was 18, I moved out of my grandparents' house. And I, before I lived with my grandparents, I had started drinking with some of my sister's friends, actually, when I was about 14 years old. Mm. And I had a problem with like alcohol and I had tried a lot of drugs too. And then realized that that was really not working for me and just stopped on my own just sheer willpower, but never addressed any of the problems that, that might've caused that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So give me three things that you like about yourself. Mm. Uh, my compassion and ability to make people comfortable that I'm not afraid to try new things. As an adult, I learned how to tap dance. Really? Oh, yes. <laughs> I still tap dance. Yes. That's like That's one of fun. my favorite things about me. It is. It's been a lot of fun. And <laughs> my resiliency. We're going to have to do a shit show talent show. Yes. <laughs> and love that. Place. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, one time Sophie brought her roller skates to the a retreat. So if you come to oh. retreat, you have to bring your fucking tap shoes. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I would look so ridiculous if I tried to tap dance. Or did you dance at all when you were a kid? No, no. And two left feet, but I was so excited about it. And I, I wanted to do it so bad. Like I wanted to my whole life, but I had broken my ankle. And while I was laying there in bed, I was like, I'm going to learn to tap dance. <laughs> so I wasn't afraid to be new. And, you know, just really... I don't want to say it came naturally, but like I worked really hard at it and I had so much fun. Yeah. So fun. How often do you do it? Once a week. Yeah. Nice. And we do like this studio, their adult classes also do their um, recitals. So we get to really? get up on stage. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. It's a good time. Have you made some good friends through that? I have. Yep. That's awesome. I love yeah. that about you. Um, okay. Hope or dream for the future. I would like to use my trauma, use everything that I know. And I've learned to, I really want to help other nurses, yeah. um, especially with the trauma of the nursing profession. That's what I'd like to be able to do. I didn't have to help just nurses, but. Well, let's talk about that some. So how, mm -hmm. 
what has been your experience as it relates to that? Mostly I find my job so fulfilling that it insulates against, and I really, I don't have trouble making connections anymore. And I find that that insulates against a lot of the trauma, but I still have to go to therapy about it. I still have to work through it. And I have wonderful work friends that we can talk through and process things with. Is it mostly it's losing people? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or just even if we don't lose people, if it was a particularly like traumatic code and also not really being able to talk about it outside of the profession. I remember just coming home and my ex-husband used to tell me I was a crappy person. Like being a nurse made me a crappy person because I didn't have a lot left when I came home. But one day I came home and I couldn't talk except just say uh, there was blood everywhere. And that was it. And then just went to bed. Yeah. And I would think that that's something in order for you to be able to continue to show up and do your job every day. It's like, you have to stay mm -hmm. on top of processing that. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. All right, my dear. Grateful mm -hmm. for you. I'm You're grateful lucky. for you. Your girls are lucky. You know Thank that? You. I'm trying to, trying to understand that. Yes. Really Thank lucky you. to have you as a mother. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the whole community so much.